There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 16th, 2013. I will start off by asking the people to, the new people and new listeners to look into the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because there's a wealth of information there where I go into the whole system, the system we're all born into and we take for granted because our parents took it for granted and and it's all it seems to be. It's a complete uh, managed system set up a hundred years ago in a very official form, in fact, by private organizations. And uh, these private organizations were founded by the top international moneylenders of their day. They lent to nations, they were based in London, and they formed a club called the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They then gave it their American branch, the Council on Foreign Relations. They also set up branches in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, India and various other countries now they're across the whole world and they even have branches for all the parliamentarians in the EU parliament too. So before they're even picked for to be a politician, all these guys join the club. They're asked to join the club by the way. You can't apply to do it. You're vetted and you must be on board with this whole global agenda. Not just a global agenda, but a whole reconstructing of, of societies and cultures across the whole planet into a completely, completely new system. So different from the last that you will be hard to even recognize at all once it's all finished with new normals being introduced and pushed from the top all the time. And so we're going through this big, big phase today, the culmination of a hundred years work. And, uh, and this is, this is the generation that's going through it, including all the wars too, by the way. And as I say too, it's not, uh, they write their own books. They've had their books out for a long time. And members who sat in world meetings to plan all this often write their memoirs and they put their books out too. Nobody reads them because they're so boring, but you hit the occasional page where everything comes and, and lights up for you because you understand the system. And the system is very real. It's into every facet of society. It's a socialist form of controlling all the peoples of the world and retraining them too. And, uh, and it's the top capitalists who run it all. The ones who gave us communism were the capitalists, by the way. You cannot get all the changes through unless you get op- opposing forces. It's a dialectic system. And so they create the opposing forces, gets the arguments going and the chaos, and then they come out with the solution. The solution was always the, their goal in the first place. So happy to set up the website. You'll find, as I say, there's lots of information when I go through this kind of thing. It's a very old system and actually, in actuality, they're very, very secret down through the ages. They had revolutions uh, in many centuries in different countries across the planet. And you're going through the revolution, the final revolution, because you see, you're, you're living in their system. They created the whole system you're, you're, that you think is quite normal. And these are revolutionaries. They don't wear ragtag clothes. They are very well dressed. They go to the best universities on the planet. They're from old families, in fact. And, uh, and their ancestors go back into revolutionaries from the Middle Ages and even before. 
So help yourself. And remember too, I go through the art of conology, how we're all conned from birth and every generation is, uh, into believing everything that it tells is real. And we're given the reasons for things happening, which are always lies or partial truths. And uh, I go through the history of this, how old it is, this whole science of managing billions of people uh, goes back to ancient times. And I go through that to show you how it's done. So if you want to order the books or the discs that I have there, you can go into cuttingthroughmedias.com and you can find uh, how to order there. From the US to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or you can use international postal money orders from the US to Canada. You can send cash or use PayPal and across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through these hard, uh, planned, of course, inflationary times. So it's a very hard thing when people start to wake up. There's so many minefields out there, as I've said before, where you come out of a tunnel, you walk into a field, and and there's so many signs saying, come here, come here, here's the truth. And other ones will say, no, it's over here. And you can go round in circles for your whole life, and in fact, falling into trap after trap after trap. You won't understand this until you understand the histories of revolutions down through the ages. And you'll find the commonalities between them, because there are commonalities. And how uh, these people themselves even give you Freemasonry. And how uh, Freemasonry itself, even even the Grand Master of, or the Pope of Freemasonry, Albert Pike at one time, for the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, which wasn't Scottish, by the way, it came from France, and France was given its charter from England. You'll you find that Pike said that we will become the masters over the masters of the world. And they have done. It is already done in his day, in fact. It has been done. So as I say, you're living in their system, a system that has um, different tiers, like an in-group and an out-group, uh, has an inner party, an outer party, just like George Orwell's 1984 mentioned. So does the CFR and the Royal Institute for International Affairs have an inner party and outer party. The inner parties are the ones who know the whole agenda, where they're supposed to really go in all the whys. And the ones down below simply do it all in faith. They're given their orders and they obey. It's very, very simple. And it's been here for quite a long time. And all the wars in the 20th century up to the present time, uh, they have been behind. In fact, the historian, the personal historian for the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S. was Professor Carl Quigley. And he had access to their archives because, as I say, they fill the blank bits in history that they don't tell you in the regular books. He tells you far more as the real reasons why things were happening, who funded things, uh, what they hoped to get out of it, etc., and he wrote about it in his own books. And he wrote two books, actually. One was very good uh, with long-term history. The other one was about the Anglo-American establishment, as he called it. Uh, very interesting and uh, well worth reading, because he lays a lot on the line, uh, on the long-term goals of this present group, too. He also mentions in the footnotes uh, in the back of the book that... Uh, uh, eventually, this, the big banking system, which was set up by these private organizations, CFR, Royal Institute for International Affairs, he said they set up the World Bank, they set up the Bank for International Settlements, which runs all the private central banks, and the IMF. And he said, and by the way, too, the World Trade Organization as well, and the United Nations, all to bring in their form of world government, where this elite would run the world uh, and, and literally... Uh, through science, they would break all the barriers that they'd ever done before uh, through genetics, etc., etc., 
because really they want to be gods in the end. If they have the perfect spirits, as they believe that they do, and they are already at the top of the tree with the financial power of the world and have been for generations, then they believe that they're proved, they're proven themselves by the Darwinian theory and the survival of the fittest and so on, that they are the fittest, so they deserve to go on into a future and be served by uh, robots and so on in the future as we all die off, all the laboring classes simply die off and there will no need for them anymore. They have served their purpose. In fact, Darwin gave a a little uh, glimpse of that in one of his books. He mentioned how an oak tree was, was to be grown, but before anything can grow to, for the oak to, to take roots, a bacteria has to come in and prepare the grounds, and even fungus too, and worms, etc., insects to aerate the, the soil, and then make it right for the planting. Once the planting's done, the oak tree takes off. What he's saying there, all the different peoples of the world uh, in the lower orders uh, all have their function, and they die off all to make it uh, possible for the oak tree to take over. That's how he, is an, he gave the analogy of it, and that's what we're going through today. The Agenda 21, the Millennium Project, they also call it, uh, calls for all the people in the rural areas to be put off their lands, this is across the world, by the way, into the overcrowded cities, and I've said that by the year 2050 or so, most of them will have died off, they'll be, st- they'll be sterile. The Department of Defense in Britain and NATO came out with the same uh, project for the next 50 years and said the same thing. Uh, we're well on the way to this today, folks. It's all planned. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, and you have to question everything that, that happens in the world. You have to question all the media reports, too, because remember, all the media moguls are on board with this agenda. They own most of the news, actually pretty well all the newspapers across the planet now, and and these guys all are members of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR. To make sure we get a standardized news, and don't forget Reuters, too, which was started off by the Rothschilds, and that gives most of the, the news to, to most countries, and they all repeat the same stuff verbatim, basically, from the reports from Reuters. Uh, so yeah, that's how we, we all get the same opinions. Make sure we all have the same ideas. Best really to give you your opinions. They, they know how to lead you to your opinions on things. And the first thing you have to do in warfare is to get public support, of course. And so you must create a great propaganda machine. It's all worked out in advance before anything happens. And then you let it loose upon the public, if, even if you create the event yourself, to get them all on board because you have big plans to fulfill. But sometimes even then the war becomes normal. We forget about it and so on. It's always over there somewhere. Other folk are being slaughtered and it's kind of unreal to us. And uh, and when we go back to sleep, uh, then they give us another thing back home. Because right now, uh, remember, we're going through the same big changes as across the world. This is all going across the world, too, for the global agenda. So we're seeing the big eating machine, as I call the military-industrial complex, turn back to its own homelands and start eating their own public. And, of course, they had to do that. That's what they always do, but it was also intended to be done as well. And they're putting us through massive fear, all the time fear, of terrorism, uh, and of course anybody can be a terrorist, and my goodness, you might not know you're, you're one yourself, you can say, you'll just become that way one day, you'll break, and that'll be that. 
And then you also have the, th- the threat of uh, no jobs, the economy is going flat, uh, inflation is the mandate by all the private central banks for 10 years, and the cost of living is going up, and your wages are going down. So this is all meant to keep you in a state of panic all the time, because we're in a state of panic, we're constantly, we're easy to change and direct, like a stampeding herd, into the direction that the, the head riders at the top want you to go into. So we've got all the wars going on across the world, of course, that were all written about before they happened in the 90s by the PNAC Group Project for New American Century in the U.S., and Wolfowitz and all these boys were all on board with it. Israel had the same countries they wanted taken out, and, and America's doing it all, basically. And plus the big international moguls are grabbing the oil and the resources at the same time. And before that all happened, too, before we even went into Iraq, Kissinger had come out, if you remember, and he said that his uh, geopolitical strategy for the Middle East, preferably, was to, and he was all for Obama, remember, Obama was his boy, and he said that um, the idea would be to basically bring those countries into the Stone Age, uh, destroy all their infrastructure, their wells, everything, uh, their, their factories for food, everything they can, and bomb the Stone Age. And then, of course, fund different factions of them to start fighting each other. So that keeps them dysfunctional forever. They're powerless as a nation, of course. Then foreign companies can go in there with their private armies and take what they want when the rest are all fighting each other. That is the agenda, and we've watched country after country. Some first world countries, in fact, bombed in the Stone Age. That was always the plan. And pl- utterly plundered as well by private corporations. But the private corporations mainly all belong to the big international bankers at the top. In fact, they own the military industry, industrial complex, and they have it all in their books. They own it all, the top banks. But you also find, too, that Britain and the U.S. have this special relationship, and they also have this special relationship with Israel. They'll, they'll never tell you what it is, but they always see this term, special relationship. And um, they're on board with the same agenda, of course. And you get nonsensical articles like this. Now, we know that the West funded all the color revolutions, sent students over to these countries for years to agitate and so on, getting them ready to demonstrate and overthrow from inside. And when that doesn't work too, then they bring in the mercenaries, the foreign mercenaries, to start off the chaos. But uh, you get nonsensical articles like this one. It says, Britain's foreign aid has fallen into the hands of Al-Qaeda. The Department for International Development has admitted uh, and, and I, what I, I'll tell you, Britain doesn't make mistakes like this. It was meant to go into to Al-Qaeda. The same thing's happened with a lot of shipments of weapons and so on. Ends up in the hands of Al-Qaeda. But, but it says almost half a million pounds of British taxpayers funded aid for equipment has fallen in the hands of Al-Qaeda. The Department for International Development has admitted. And it says that the terror group Somali franchise Al-Shabaab confiscated equipment from the DFID contractors in multiple incidents over at least three months before any action was taken. That's not how it works, folks. Really, that's not how it works in Britain. Uh, Because it's not just triplicate, everything's done in in signatures and so on. They have guys that check up on it. This is happening. And this is meant to be. So that's how we fund them all. It's the same thing, too, with all of the, the, the masses of weaponry the U.S. departments are all buying too because they're supplying them. They're buying them from all different departments or on the behalf of different departments in the U.S. 
but they're also funding all the different terrorists abroad with them. They send them back offshore with the ammunition too. And that's, that's how you keep the wars going, you see. So uh, that, and there's nothing new in this at all because uh, Britain was famous for this. They would have uh, overnight companies set up with big factories, overnight, literally. And they would do, be under licensed under firearms uh, uh, suppliers and, um, and renovators. So they, they'd have masses of military equipment and they'd renovate it all, sell occasional old uh, rifles to the public at the same time to make it all legal and so on. And, of course, all the other stuff that was being fixed up and fixed uh, for, for use, battlefield use, was sent off for all the, the black, uh, black-listed or, or black um, ops that they had on the go across the world. The U.S. does the same thing, too. And, when it, and it's so funny, too, because I knew a guy who had to go and get powder off some of them. He was a reloader for, for uh, the Ontario Police in Canada. He had to go back to see this, this company, the Century Arms, they called themselves at the time. And he said this was a military, this was a military operation when he went to a big, big factory. And, and then one night they just, they were all gone, just overnight, everything was gone. Moved somewhere else, some other country, just like that. With all the guys that do the work too. This is old stuff. But as far as supplying money to these people, they know exactly where it's going and how it's supposed to go. Because as Kirsten just said, we've got to get them all fighting each other forever. They'll be completely useless as nations now. And that's happened. So I'll put one article up tonight with this one at cuttingthroughthematrix.com along with all the other articles I mention. Also, it says in the US that feds give millions of dollars in contracts to firms owned by fictitious people. And uh, a Maryland woman pleaded guilty Tuesday to charges related to setting up at least 15 false businesses in six states that received government contracts despite often being registered to people who did not exist. The business subcontracted all the work to other companies, then took the federal dollars without paying the companies doing the work. Uh, Lorraine Whitehead, 34, of, of Clinton, Maryland, agreed to forfeit, forfeit $2.4 million in illegal proceeds and a silver Audi. Uh, the conspirators typically operate under a particular business name for a period of 6 to 12 months until the business was either disqualified from the Fed bid marketplace or was otherwise burdened with lawsuits or liens, the plea bargain said. And it says that the conspirators initially used their true names and addresses to register their businesses, but later attempted to conceal their true identities by using aliases to register the businesses and by renting commercial mailbox storefronts. And it goes on and on and on. But the fact is, again, governments do this as well. Uh, it's until some naive official from some other department starts to check on it, it comes up with this kind of stuff. Uh, in Britain, for instance, even during the Cold War, there had so many fictitious companies out there that were supposedly funding with public money. And one of them was even a lesbian organization that did not exist. And these were all for black budget operations in other fields, other areas. Same in the States, folks. That's how it works. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Cutting through the matrix, and everyone knows that Britain is still run by London. 
and in fact so does the British Commonwealth as well. The guys who set up the Royal Institute for International Affairs came out of shadowy groups that already have been operating in Britain and causing wars like the Boer War and so on, and that's official, they were behind it. And at that time they were called the Milner Group, Lord Alfred Milner was the head boy. And they, uh, they basically planned this whole New World Order idea. Uh, it's interesting, too, that New World Order. No one's defined what it is at the top. They're always using the term, but they never come out and tell you because, you see, you're not part of their their brotherhood, you might say. Uh, they all know what it is at the top, but the public are not supposed to know what this New World Order actually is. But every president's used it. Prime ministers in Britain have used it. And uh, but it's, it's and the reporters obviously are all in it because they never ask the question. What do you mean by that? Please explain it on detail. Uh, what's the manifesto of this world order? But we know what, the, what it is too. It's a complete change of everything. The destruction actually of everything that was to make room uh, for that which is new, completely new. And I'm going for, for it's all your culture. Everything is to be new. All your normals have to be opposite, and so on. And we're living through these days. But London still runs a good chunk of the world, believe you me. At least the city of London does, the, the, the big uh, uh, block where they have all the, the top banks. And they set wages, they've always set wages for British peoples. And uh, it's, it's very feudal in a sense as well. But uh, Wales, for instance, is a different country, part of this British you know, government or, or, or system. And they're getting dictated to on what they pay their workers, their farm workers, by those guys in London. Now, farming is awfully important. If you can't feed yourself, you're doomed. And you don't pay them enough money, of course, even to live a fairly good standard of living, which isn't that high, by the way, uh, for farm workers, uh, then they won't be working there and be less food, of course, too. But we know, too, that food is used as a weapon, and these big boys at the United Nations have said this before uh, at the Department of Agriculture in the United Nations, that food has always been used as a weapon and uh, done through history, and it's be, to be done again uh, in the future, obviously. But says farm wages are uh, bill is blocked by UK Attorney General. Uh, plans to protect the wages of more than 13,000 farm workers in Wales have been blocked by the UK government. This is a... Uh, the agricultural ministers passed a law giving Welsh ministers the powers to set pay after the Agricultural Wages Board serving England and Wales was abolished. But UK Attorney General Dominic Grieve has blocked the agricultural sector. Wales bill saying it was not within the Assembly's competence. And it was set up to look after the wages of farmers, which were always pretty well poor. And then you go into this article here. Taxpayers subsidised Parliament, the, the British Parliament, their bars and their restaurants to the tune of seven million dollars pounds last year, which is six hundred thousand pounds less than two thousand eleven to twelve. The House of Commons normally adds income from its gift shops to the official figures to make the cost look smaller. This, this is the government fiddling the books, eh? But within without that income, the operation ran a deficit of four point nine million pounds in two thousand twelve to thirteen. Uh, freedom of information requests revealed. The House of Lords said that excluding revenue from functions and retail sales, its eight catering outlets cost £2.3 million. That added up to a reduction of around £18,000 in the previous year, while the Commons hospitality bill was down to £5.5 million. Prices in Commons bars and restaurants were increased this month in an effort to reduce the burden on the public purse. What a joke. They don't care about the burden on the public purse. 
as his food and drink prices were substantially increased in 2010 and are benchmarked against similar outlets outside the house. Now in the restaurants, remember, and this came out when Tony Blair was in trying to get the GM uh, vegetables pushed on the British public. And they didn't want it. And uh, but he says that, that the Parliament uh, restaurants and so on, for all the high hootspurs, uh, would have organic only. They would not allow GM into that. So they're not eating the stuff that they're forcing on us, which is going to kill us too. He's awfully sick and stupid, by the way, because that's part of the plan. If it's so darn safe, why wouldn't they be eating it? Why would they forbid uh, their own uh, catering staff to to get GM stuff for the politicians? It's very simple, isn't it? Very, very simple, folks. Very simple. Now, it's the same thing too, mind you, too, with the article I read about two or three years ago from Monsanto, one of their biggest laboratory areas in the States, uh, where they, they, they demanded and they did bring in a company that sold organic only because they wouldn't eat their own stuff. What does that tell you? Now, this article too is to do with... Um, Look up Magnota was a guy in Canada. Remember that uh, he had sex on video and put it up on YouTube or somewhere. And then he ate the guy he was having sex with, you see. Because you see, it's his preference, I guess. And um, he got caught eventually and he's in prison right now. And still awaiting trial, by the way. And they've kept awfully quiet on it. But it says, the cannibal killer, Luca Magnota, is set up a special fan site in prison so admirers can send him letters in jail as he awaits trial for dismembering and eating his lover. And it says he's in the medical wing of the River de, de Prairie Detention Centre in Montreal right now. And um, it says uh, he's been held in that particular wing. Following the slaying of his lover, my notice accused of having sex with a dismembered corpse. It was all in video before mailing parts, body parts to the Canadian political parties. Be interesting too, because this guy apparently also hired himself out as a prostitute, and I wonder why he'd send them to different people in the political parties. As his mail has been flooding in from around the world for the disturbed killer with a special fan site up to instruct supporters on the correct way to contact him. The former porn actor is reportedly being well fed and gets time out of his cell, which he spends sitting alone in a communal area. He's visited by his mother and called by his grandmother, reports revealed. There's also piles of male Magnotta receives from strangers around the world, according to the Toronto Sun. Magnotta takes the time to respond to fans, even offering advice to their problems. He has a compassionate side, you see. His friend John McKellar told the Sun. And uh, a blog entered, entitled Luca Magnotta Dedication, posted the murderer's prison address and tips on how to get letters post, uh, uh, passed by the tight jail security. Fans are told to use bright cars to catch his eye and reminded them that he has a particular preference for animal prints. Supporters are also told to avoid talking about his murder case and compliment his appearance, because he's very vain, you see. Uh, as he says, actually says that's the most important thing to him is his vanity. The last post by the blogger was in December 2012, as the individual no longer feels Magnota deserving of sympathy writing, saying he's a liar and a manipulator. Officials in the Canadian province have said that it's not against the law for inmates to receive mail, but letters they receive are subject to strict set of regulations. They'll probably give you tips like, you know, put salt on your meat and stuff like that, I suppose. But anyway, this is the kind of stuff that goes on as we go through all the, the destroying all the was, all normalcy to bring in the new, by the way, 
It all ties in together for those who can think. It's all related, folks. It's all related. Also, as the Senate kills Rand Paul attempt to cut Egyptian aid, Senate Wednesday killed a measure from Paul that would have cut off the United States aid to Egypt. Paul's amendment to the transportation spending bill would have redirected the approximately $1.5 billion in annual aid to crumbling bridges in the U.S., and though the upper chamber defeated the proposal, simply getting a vote on Egypt aid was viewed as a victory in, in the Paul world. And um, this is Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, voted with Paul, as did a small group of GOP senators, including Mike Lee of Utah, Ted Cruz of Texas, and Chuck Grassley of Iowa, uh, and so on and so on. And it's true enough, I've got another, another article here too, but uh, all the money that's supposed to be put aside for restructuring America's roads and bridges, and they're all falling apart yet years later, and the money hasn't gone to them. But uh, it's, it's great how they can do this across the whole world, supposedly. But even then, it won't go to where you think in Egypt either. Uh, none of these things do. Uh, everything's a con, folks. It goes to stirring up more trouble elsewhere or even in their neighbors. Because all of those countries across that entire region have to be completely destroyed as nations. Completely destroyed. Also, this article, too, it says, As Egypt burns, Obama strongly condemns violence from Martha's Vineyard Vacation House. And it says, uh, those damned Egyptians are so inconsiderate. Firstly, non-coup, just when John Kerry is busy uh, honing his sailing skills. Now the non-coupy country breaks out in civil war just as Obama is on vacation in Martha's Vineyard. Well, Egypt may be important enough to serve as a middleman when the U.S. pays Lockheed Martin to using Egypt as a dumb intermediary, but it's obviously not important enough for Obama to cancel his vacation. Moments ago in an audio-only presentation, it says Obama was there uh, rolling up his sleeves and so on. Was he ready for uh, from paper or, or teleprompter? Because he reads everything from a teleprompter. And just, he's just a front man, folks. He's a dedicated communist, mind you. Not what you think a communist is, by the way. Most folk have got it all wrong, what they think a communist truly is. Because communism really likes multimillionaires. And if you serve them well, you'll become one. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. I've mentioned two in the past, in fact this weekend mentioned that I touched on uh, Kinsey, the Kinsey report that changed the whole world in a sense. It was all fake of course, but it's pushed from the top down, because you see, you're living in their system, the, the, the ancient revolutionaries are running the world today. And Dr. Judith Reisman is the person who came out and exposed a lot of this stuff, all factual stuff, and, and got a movement going to, to really expose what it was all about and what its intentions were about, too. And I'll put her link up tonight, too, to her site. It's excellent, too, for those who want to see what's been happening in reality. But in this article, she's writing about this uh, novel that's out, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, that's been promoted heavily by the entertainment industry and so on. And it says, Pedophilia Hiding in Plain Sight. This is a story of convicted child rapist Jerry Sandusky, as well known. So too is the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomena, a book that's become so popular amongst women. And there's a reason for that too. It says that some are referring to it as mommy porn for the masses. 
because the big boys uh, knew a long time ago, the study is so minutely, the women uh, are more into uh, the written descriptions and so on, where imagination is used if it comes to pornography than men. And, um, and it says it's, it's really pornography for women. It's the same thing with these so-called romance books, uh, the Harlequins and so on, uh, that pushes a lot of porn through it. That's all it's about. And that's his intention too. But it says that description is actually a lot more disturbing than a lot of folks are currently realizing. Yes, Fifty Shades uh, is pornography. Like most pornography, the storyline is weak. The character is one-dimensional. Well, the sex itself is graphic, detailed, but formulaic. The underlying theme to Fifty Shades is something far more sinister and appalling uh, though than your mere run-of-the-mill porn. It's actually pedophilia and it's child porn or kiddie porn. It says, I know that after saying that many female fans of the Fifty Shades, many of them mothers, will naturally put up a defense against that kind of description. These women being mothers were naturally wired to protect children. People like Jerry Sandusky are viewed with hatred, re- revulsion and disgust, rightfully so. What mother would want to condone anything having to do with the sexual abuse of children, of innocence? But that's exactly what Fifty Shades of Grey is really about. It's a story of a girl being sexually molested over and over again by a male figure with all the power all the control is the classic abuse scenario. And mothers are in some cases quite literally getting off on it, which takes the disgust of the phenomena to a whole other frightening level. Psychologists help to write all this stuff too, by the way. So having put that out there, and I hope I haven't lost any of you just yet, I owe an explanation after having made that kind of accusation about a book some of you may be reading right now. And I'll start with a bit of background first. She tells you how... Um, her professional experience since around 20 years of, of child protective services. Over the time, she's seen situations that do literally keep them up all night. This is the, the amount of abuse that's going on in a society, the sexualization of her children. And that's what, that's what, again, was from the top down, has been promoted, the sexualizing, heavy sexualization of children. This is, uh, and what you hear about and what's in the news and so on, it's only a small sample of how large a problem and, and the disgusting acts that are going on every day. Children are being raped and children are being abused every single day over and over again. And she didn't seek out Fifty Shades of Grey. It was a friend who also was in the same field of uh, child looking after uh, fighting child abuse and so on and treating children who had been abused, who brought it to her attention and it says her reaction to Fifty Shades of Grey was much more aggressively negative than anything I could recall her talking about before. It came up because I mentioned it to her offhand. I'd seen a couple of mentions on the news and knowing her interest in cultural trends asked her about it. She stopped talking right at me and said that the book was about pedophilia. And it was her who then connected it to the Sandusky tragedy where so many young boys had been sexually abused. Sandusky committed his acts of crime under the cover of actually helping youth. That was just typical. Because they go for their targets, right? This is how he gained access. My friend said Fifty Shades of Grey was basically the same exact thing. Its cover was a story of a young woman engaging in a very graphic sexual relationship with a somewhat older man. And she's the problem for her, and it was a big problem, was that the narrator in the story was in fact an underage girl. And this is the interesting part. My friend indicated, based on the use of language in the narration, that this girl was likely no more than 12 or 13 years of age, psychologically, you see. And it says, I made mention that the girl in the story was actually getting ready to graduate college. My friend, a woman with years of experience as a clinical psychologist whose expertise I'd personally witnessed, 
number of times over the years, shook her head and told me that she was not able to convince me by simply talking about it. She said I should read the book myself, but do so with the eyes of somebody whose job it had been for many years to try and protect children, and so on. And she says, I'll try and summarize my friend's words at the time. Sexual predators are cons. They're con people. They almost always have a cover. It's the cover which allows them access. Fifty Shades of Grey is a cover. It's a con. And now has access to millions of readers. It's a story about abusing from beginning to end. And it's not just the abuse of man and a woman. It's the abuse of a man and a girl. And when you read it, look for the signs. They're all there. The female character has no sexual experience. None. She's given the age of 21 just to keep the people happy, but the age is, is itself a cover. Her true emotional age is much, much younger. She's never even masturbated. She's never even experienced an orgasm. That alone is one of the greatest attra- attractions to the pedophile. That's the psychology of the kind of act. You get, they get off on taking purity. But move from the fact that the girl has no sexual experience whatsoever. Now pay attention to her narrative dialogue. Listen to how she talks. Again, she's not talking like a young woman. She's talking like a young girl. She talks about cartwheels and skipping over and over again. It's the language and the imagery of a young girl. After that, this girl has her innocence taken from her. The abuser, the older man, makes her think it's her choice. Again, you and I both know that it's one of the primary tools of the pedophile. They create an environment where the child feels it's their idea. It's what they want, but what happens after the the innocence is taken away, then the abuser becomes more openly abusive and controlling. In this story, he tells the little girl how to speak, what to wear, what to eat. He's daddy and she is daughter. When you read it like a mother who's also a woman who's experienced with the real-life tragedy of abuse. And there's many more themes about that abuse in the book. There is spanking and the use of baby oil. Why baby oil? Think about it. The girls wear pigtails. She complains he is treating her like a child. He says she acts like a child. There's even a scene where the abuser creates a situation to make her take her innocence from her again. He rips out something and engages in forced sex and so on. And, and so on and so on. Anyway, you can read it yourself, folks. But the fact is, this is how they put the porn out there to hook people in by giving them some kind of fascinating story. And they do get hooked on this, by the way. And they don't realize in a conscious manner that they're reading a form of uh, sexual pornography abuse systems. And as I've said before so many times, this industry, like all the parts of the culture industry, is a part of destroying all that was to bring in the new. And I'm not kidding about that at all. It's from the top down, not from the bottom up, that also is getting pushed. Those at the top are the ones who guide all the cultural changes. And this is how they put it across. And they do bring on specialists, just like they do with Coronation Street and all the rest of it, to train the public. They bring in psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, all kinds of behaviorists, anthropologists. And it's the same thing to write these books. It doesn't matter whose name is on the cover. They get a lot of help to write it by specialists to make sure it has the right impacts on the psychology of the readers. I'll put this link up tonight, too, for those that want to look into it. Also, a good article too from the RT, it says, An estate agent with guns, Israel's new settlements disable the peace process. And they say that there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. They could have easily added a third one, that Palestine will continue to shrink, which we all know. 
It's only days before bilateral negotiations were scheduled to resume between Israelis and Palestinians, the Israeli government announced the construction of some 1,200 new apartments for Jewish settlements in East Jerusalem and the West Bank. And so begins the so-called Great Peace Process. Washington's role in diplomatic theatre is already well known, and is similar to that of a match referee has already been passed the brown envelope by the away team. Never in the history of this peace process has Israel ever had to make any actual concessions. Part of the reason for this is because Washington is there to help ensure certain outcomes on behalf of Israel's powerful lobby in the US. And then it goes on and on. And this is how the world really is run, folks. Everything is a racket and a con. And it's so sad that people read the stories and they, they, they don't want to see the bad in things. They really don't. Because and when you don't see the bad, you're also being used. You're, you are also being used, folks. That's what propaganda's for. You better wake up because these things will happen to you. One day you'll be the Palestinians in your own countries. And all the writing's on the wall right now. For Hamish Masyar from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.